COVID, it's good to see anybody. Thank you so much for all your prayers, your thoughts, and gifts, and buckets of body armor, and Ensure, which I hope to never, ever have to drink again. <laughs> Goodness. Like in some little movies we watched, like I never want to watch them again because I was in the throes of suffering with COVID and thinking the world surely is going to end today and this is going to be the last thing in my mind is this goofy movie. Um, but the Lord is good. He is faithful. But that is one mean bug, I tell you. Oh. It was interesting because we revert back in training for security and different things. What you'll find is that you, whether it's the military or whatever it is, is you're going to drop, when something happens and it all goes south, you're going to drop back to your highest level of training. That's it. And training really is about so that when it does go south and this doesn't make any sense as you revert back to training, whether you're law enforcement, whether you're emergency EMS care, because um, stuff can get ugly really bad. And you always are going to fall back to your highest level of training. That's why training is so important. That's why our security staff, we train a lot. Um, and in the same way as with being a Christian, you know, when it all goes south, you're going to revert back to your highest level of training. What have you been training? Have you been training the, the, the old man, the dead man, the sinful nature, or have you been training the new man, you see? Have you been feeding? Which, which dog do you feed? That's the one that's going to get strongest. And, and so, you know, and, and, and that's a lesson that I've had to learn in my life. And when I was really sick, like it was really bad, like my wife, my daughter, and myself, we were, we were all like, it was bad. My wife and I were laying in bed, and we're just laying there and suffering, and I'd reach over and like, you okay, you know, Pat. And she, oh, I'm okay, you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And you want to do for each other, but you just can't, you know. And, and I laid there, man, and it was, it was sometimes, it was really dark, it was really bad. And I just started saying out loud, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is kind, the Lord is loving, the Lord is long-suffering, the Lord is merciful. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. And that's what I would do, and it would, it would get me through that worst moment of it. And um, so just what is your highest level of training in your Christian walk? And if you haven't been training you need to start. Because when the enemy comes at you full blow, and we've experienced a traumatic accident in our own family. Our son was almost killed in a car accident right after he graduated high school. And he has titanium rods and tens in his body, screws in his body, and, and God was faithful and spared his life. And I remember us rushing to the hospital, and he's on a chopper, and we have no idea. All we know is that the EMS guys told us he's alive when he got on the chopper. But we didn't know nothing from then on. And we jumped in the van and we're peeling out of the driveway and I grabbed my Bible and I threw it in my wife's lap. And I began to quote a psalm where the Lord had given me and I, you know, that about how that the Lord had promised me that I would, I would set in all of my children around my table like olive tree plants, it said. 
that I would see my children's children. And I cried out, God, you promised me. You gave me that. I didn't ask you for it. You voluntarily gave me that scripture one day, and I have read it ever since every day. And so I dropped back to my highest level of training. It was to quote the promise that God had given me. It wasn't to wring my hands in fear, although fear had gripped my heart. We need to take dominion over fear, over sin. How do we do that? We do it by our highest level of training. We fall back to that. And it says, God, you promised me that I would see my children around my table, all of my children, and I would see my children's children, God. And I told my wife, read out loud. So I'm doing two things. I'm calming my heart, and I'm giving her fear-struck heart a task. I'm giving her a command. I wasn't being ugly, but it was stern. Read out loud. See, who's in charge here, really? Is the enemy in charge, or is God in charge? When the circumstance looks really bad, and you can't raise your head off the pillow, you're so sick, and that's what was happening to us. Who's really in charge? Who's really in charge? So I say that to just, who's in charge of your life? What direction are you heading? You started out well. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I'm telling you what. Don't wait. Don't wait. Today's the day of salvation. Don't leave here. Don't leave here. You don't know. Your life is but a vapor. Listen, God holds the vapor of your life in his hands, and he lets out a little bit as he wills every day. You don't know when he does this, and that's it for you. Don't wait. You don't want to enter eternity not knowing Jesus. Trust me. You need salvation. You were born into a lost, fallen state, sin, and you need a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of the living God. You need him. It's that simple. So if you don't know Jesus, when this is over today, you get with me, and I'll pray with you, or I'll tell you how to receive Jesus. I'll, I'll do that during this sermon. But I'm telling you, don't wait. Don't wait. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the ability to be here today. I thank you for health and strength in my bones, Lord, that I can stand before the people today. Lord, I am nobody. I am just a beggar showing another beggar where to find bread this morning, God. I feel much like Paul when he said that of all the apostles, I am least. Of, uh, of sinners, I am chief. All I know is you and you crucified Jesus. You paid a great price so that my name could be written in your book. And I am forever grateful. And so, Father, this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, come enlighten your eyes of your people that they would see through spiritual eyes this morning what I am urgently trying to tell them, Lord. Help them to receive your word, Lord, with gladness and it would change their hearts, God, change their mindsets. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of our sermon today is Reflections. And it's not about what you would think like memories or anything. Um... It was interesting, I was, the other, it's been a while back, I was, so they, they messed me up, the phone companies, right? They told my wife, I've had a flip phone for like 85 years. It's, it's marvelous. 
It's wonderful, yes. I've dropped it in body filler, I've dropped it in grease, everything, pull it out, still works fine. Perfect, awesome unit. Well, they informed my wife that you're gonna have to get a smartphone because your phone's gonna stop working. I'm like, really? How about I don't get any phone? How about that? Which would be good. And um, so it'll be free because we're forcing you. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. So we go and we get this thing, and it's stupid sensitive, and you touch it, and it goes off some, some tangent trying to sell me property in Zimbabwe or something. I don't like it. It's got, I know it's got some good features, and don't get me wrong, when you got, I'm lost, I don't know where I'm going, you can hit maps. Just if it tells you to turn left, just look before you turn, that's all I would say. <laughs> and so, you know, and so I have to deal with a tablet and emails with work and everything, and I don't like that either. I don't like people knowing that much about me. Not because I just got that much to hide, it's just, give me a break, you know? And so uh, I was looking at emails on my phone and I noticed my reflection in the phone. And how that before I cut it on, I could see myself really well, which was a little startling. But when I hit the button and these things, they call them apps, they come up, right? And you're like, oh. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can still see myself before I hit Outlook. I can still see myself. So even through the clutter, there I am. There I am. And it started me thinking, and we're not going to go there just yet, but it started me thinking about the verse in James where it talks about a man who doesn't do the work. He hears, but he doesn't do the work. It's like a man beholding his own reflection. Reflection in a mirror. And he turns away and he forgets what kind of man he is. And I thought about that. And I thought about how that phone is great. You know, it, it does a lot of good, but it can bring a strong man or woman down. It can do a lot of bad, a lot of bad. And we need to be careful. We need to train. We need to train our, our, our saved guy, the spiritual side, up so that he can combat whatever comes our way. We need to have good habits it's not complicated. It's just, it's simple, but it can be hard fighting our flesh. And I thought, you know, it says he forgets what he looks like. And I said something to my wife, and she's like, no, nah, I don't do that. And I'm thinking, well, I don't remember. Like, if you asked me, what do you look like? What's your face look like? I'd be like, uh, worn out? <laughs> I don't, I can't really tell you my facial features other than I got my dad's prominent nose and ears. I almost have an Italian distinctive nose, you know, my dad had that. But other than that, I can't really tell you what my face looks like. And as a guy at my age, I'm just looking to make sure I'm not gonna be too embarrassing in the mornings. I don't spend much time in the mirror. You know, how much, you know, how, I, I got hair going out my ears and I can't grow it on my head and those types of things, you know. And so I don't spend a lot of time in the mirror. And so it's kind of like, you know, I don't really, can't remember what I really look like. I look in the mirror again, whoa, there it is, yeah, okay. And so I wonder, do you, is that something to me, can, if I asked you, your own face, could you really remember? See, as a Christian, training helps us remember who we are, where we came from. I don't ever want to be more than an arm's reach away from the cross. I've learned that. I'm nobody's spiritual hero. 
I need to be this close to him at all times. All times. And I thought about that, like, what am I reflecting to others? You know, am I reflecting Jesus? You know, does my life preach a sermon before I say anything out loud? Am I reflecting Jesus or more of myself, more of the fallen man? And I would tell you that training and only training in God's word is going to help you reflect more of Jesus. So we're going to start off reading. It says, uh, do you see more of Jesus or what Paul described as the body of this death? We're going to spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter 7. So if you want to turn there, you can. But in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Now, Paul has, I won't say ranted, but he was kind of on a rant. Like, man, I'm just a loser. I can't, the good things that I want to do and I know I should do, I don't do. And the bad things that I shouldn't do, I always find myself doing. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from the body of this death? And it's the, the image is like a prisoner chained to a dead body, and he's having to drag it around. And he can't get away from the stench, and he can't get away from the weight of it. Because in a fallen state, when you're walking in sin, and your life is in shambles, and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, that's what it really is. It stinks. My sinful nature stinks, and it's heavy, and it weights me down. Because it talks about running the race and we need to lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us and it weights us down and mars us. And one way it'll mar you is when you're there and you need to testify to someone about Jesus and you go to do it and the enemy's like, oh yeah, but remember what you did last night and you back off and you miss divine opportunity to preach the gospel because you gave in to a little sin because you didn't keep up on your training and you fell back to your lowest level of training and you gave in that night and the next morning at wherever you couldn't minister your testimony because the devil browbeat you down. You good for nothing. You're sinful. Well, I got news for you. You are. I am. But I'm training, I'm striving every day to reflect Jesus' glory and not mine because I don't have any. And Paul is, he's ranting about that here and he's saying, who's going to save me from the body of this death? And so 24, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's saying it can be separate. When I got saved, a separation came, and the ability for the spirit man to reign over the fleshly man took place. My flesh didn't go away. Pastors said it. His is prominent when he gets on the interstate. And you wonder why, I wonder why sometimes I'm the only person on the road that knows how to drive. You tell me. I'm driving a blind spot van, and I got little economy cars I could fit in the back of it, roll up on me in a total blind spot. 
and then whip around me and stay there. And I go to get over and it's like, eh, eh, eh. I'm like, I almost killed you. What is wrong with you people? Or they get in the left lane and they stay in the left lane. From Oilville all the way to Short Pump. And the guy had in his truck, he said, if I'm passing you on the right, it's because you're in the wrong lane. You know, and so that man is there, but Paul is saying the ability when I got Christ in my life and in my heart, and I say, God, I'm a filthy, no good sinner, and I need you. I've read your law, and it's the schoolmaster, he said, that leads me to Christ. Because when I look at the perfect law of God, I say, there is no way I can keep that in my flesh. I need you, Jesus. And I get saved. Now that split comes, and now the spirit man can reign over the flesh man. He's still there. But I can take dominion over him. But I won't take dominion over him if we have the same strength. If me and that flesh man are getting the same amount of training, I'm never going to conquer him. I have to starve him to death and feed my spirit man now. And, and I don't care who you are from Billy Graham to Oswald Chambers to whoever, A.W. Tozer. Those men had a hold of a secret, and it's not a secret anymore. I just told you this morning. If you feed your spirit man, he will triumph and reign. If you feed the dead man, he will triumph and reign. It's that simple. And we say, how do those guys do so much for God and live holy, good, clean lives? They fed the spirit man, and they starved the, the, the old man to death. That's it. That's it. Every time I stop feeding my spirit man, every time, without fail, if I stop feeding my spirit man and I feed him at all, oh, I don't even have to feed that sucker. He will get up in the middle of the night and steal a snack from you. You don't have to feed him. Just don't feed this guy and see what happens. Oh, man. You know, are you, are you late night snackers? Like last night, I woke up and I'm like, oh, man, there's Fritos downstairs. You know? <laughs> so it's like one of those things. Not all the time, but sometimes, man, you wake up and that's like the best thing you've eaten in your life. Like, why is that? I'm a ribeye guy in crab legs, you know? Get them, you know, they, they would get them once a year for Father's Day or birthday. But like, man, those Fritos in the middle of the night when you really want them are good. You know? And that guy will steal a snack. Man, you don't have to, you don't have to tell him, go get something to eat. He's, he's trying to get in. Feed the spirit, man. Paul says here that in verse 8, you know, there is, uh, chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if we stop there, we just came from, oh, I'm a rotten, dirty dog, but there's no more condemnation to me. I'm in Christ Jesus. I can just do whatever I want. And at the end, I get in. That is not what that says. See, if you stop there, but it says, to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. See, after I get saved, I got to walk it out. See, salvation is positional and progressional. There's a process after I get saved where I begin to walk out my Christian walk. And that's called sanctification. And I begin every day. Maybe you don't shake off all of it once. I, I didn't. 
Maybe this, at the moment of salvation, this thing falls off. Down the road, this falls off. And down the road, this falls off. Only because you're feeding the spirit man and starving the old man. He said there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's me. That's the saved. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. According to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, that's what I'm saying. That when I got saved, power was given and authority for me to cast down the old man. The old man's still here. He's still here. So I would urge you today, which, which man are you feeding? Which man are you feeding? Turn over to James. James chapter one, he's like, oh no, he's going to James. He's gonna beat us up bad. My son was asking me, he was a young man. I think he was like, I don't know, maybe 14 or something, 15. He's like, Pop, what's something good to read? I got in there and I'm reading and it's like so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. I'm bored out of my skull. I was like, well, if you don't mind getting your feelings hurt and your toes stepped on, read James. Okay. He comes back to me. He said, I love that guy. I'm like, really? He's like, yep. He tells it like it is. It's just plain. It's just laid out there. I'm like, well, yeah, he does do that. But in James chapter 1, verse 12, we'll start reading there in 12. James says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Not the man that gives in to temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. See, we're blessed when we endure it. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. There's some trying going on. There's some testing going on here. This is an exam, y'all. And you college students, and you're having to deal with exams, my, my heart goes out to you. I was working a full-time job, married, kids, and I worked all day, and I'm riding down the road, and I don't recommend you do this. So if you tell somebody that I told you to do this, I'll deny it. But I'm rolling down the road with the textbook heading to, I got to go take an exam in Bible college. And I'm like, yeah, retribution theology is found in Deuteronomy. <laughs> don't do that. But this is like a test here. You know, when you're, you're, God doesn't tempt us, but it's a measure for us. God already knows. See, it splits us open when, when we give in to sin. And man, that guilt comes and hits you like a mule kick in the chest. And it's a wake-up call for you. It's good to look in that reflection and say, what kind of a man am I right now? compared with what I was. Do I remember who I am? Do I remember who I am? And so that test, you know, it hits us in the face when we fail the test. When we fail the test. When he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. 
But each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. That thing is still with you. Make no mistake. Don't underestimate the old you by not feeding the new you. This says, I sin and I'm tempted when I'm drawn away of my own desires. The fallen nature. We can't blame anybody for that. It's ours. And it's only ours because it's still attached to us, not because we want it. I just want to make sure you understand that. Of his own lust and of his own desires, and he's enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Meaning if you continue in that lifestyle, it's going to bring forth death in you. It's going to bring forth death right now. While you're alive, things are going to die. Opportunities are going to die. You didn't witness to that person because you felt guilty because you had, you had walked in a sinful habit or whatever, an old way the day before, and that opportunity died. It brought forth death. And it ultimately, if you continue in it, will lead to death, both physically and spiritually. Leading a sinful lifestyle, God's not trying to keep you from having or enjoying life, but he knows what's bad for you. And there are certain things that are sinful that we do that are bad for our bodies and are going to kill us. Whether that's eating too much ribeyes or drinking alcohol or doing drugs or, you know. My dad used to smoke a lot, you know. And um, when I was a kid, you know, I was in my teens, I guess. My dad smoked cigarettes and I'd saw him roll his cigarette pack up in his white uh, V-neck shirts, you know, and I would do that. When I was a kid and I was running around and I was smoking some cigarettes, thought I was cool. And I'd roll them cigarette pack up in my, be like, pop, pop was cool. And, uh, you know, cigarettes weren't gonna send my dad to hell, but they did send him to see Jesus too soon. My dad died at 64 years old from lung cancer. He'd smoked for 52 years. It wasn't good for him. It's bad for him. So it's just one of those things. The sin does bring forth death, and it can bring forth death now and progressionally, and then, and ultimately, if we're involved in these things and we're in rebelling against God, we can, we can lose our salvation. Now, our salvation is not something that we just like, oh, what happened? I didn't know I lost my salvation. It's something we purposely lay down and we walk away from. That's on us. That's not on God. And that's what he said here at the beginning. I don't tempt you because I don't want you to go astray. So just be careful. Be careful. He goes on to say that, um, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, Speaking about God, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is the same. He's a good God. He's always been a good God. If he hadn't been a good God, did you know the Egyptian race would not even exist right now? He held back on the Egyptians even. He was long-suffering and kind even to the Egyptians when they had the Israelites in bondage. He could have wiped them out, but he didn't. He could have wiped us out in the garden, but he didn't because he's good and kind and long-suffering. 
And so we see that we can never associate sin with God. God didn't put it on us and God doesn't tempt us with it. it is, it's in our fallen nature and we need to starve it to death. Verse 18, of his own free will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Do you know any wrath that's not outside of righteous anger is all comes from being self-centered. We get angry a lot. You're just self-centered. You wronged me and we get mad. I thought about that, you know. Self-centeredness leads to wrath. Are we focused on ourselves or others? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can get mad about stuff all you want. No righteousness is ever going to come from it. I'm not talking about godly anger. He says, because of all this, therefore, verse 21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness control. A humble control that says, I What was in me is no good. I find in myself there is no good thing. I need to lay that aside. And with controlled humility, that's meekness, controlled strength, give me what you need to give me, God. Give me the tools that I need to keep this thing dead. That's what what he's saying here. He said, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When you heard the gospel and you, it, it, it implanted in your heart and you got saved. And it talks about that the crows come or the ravens or whatever and the sun beats it down. The implanted word of God. You need to take this word, you ain't gotta read a chapter, read a, a verse. But meditate on it. Make sure you, you've got it. Implant it in your heart. Guard it. You don't just throw seed out. Even when they throw out grass seed, what do they do? They come back with hay. They water it and they cover it with hay, trying to keep the birds off of it. My pop, we used to plant garden. We'd go down through there and we'd planting all these seeds and covering them up and being so tender with them. And I'm thinking, man, let's just walk out there and throw this stuff so I can get back to doing something fun. And out here sweating, I'm tired. And we've been working since before the daylight come up. It's just child labor, man. That's what we were growing up. We got to plant the garden. Get out here. No, no, we don't need a new tiller. We're going to take an old tiller. And he put like an eight-horsepower motor on that thing. Well, now, when I was, I don't know how much I weigh exactly now. Not a whole lot. But when you're 12, 13 years old, I weighed a lot less. And he starts up this tiller and, all right, Till up through there, and that thing took off dragging me across the garden and didn't stop till it hit up in the trees. And even with the thing that's supposed to slow it down, it was like plowing furrows, man. And finally, he was like, Yeah, maybe I'll rethink that, put a smaller motor on it. I'm like, Yeah, I think I got no more skin left on my knees. And we're planting garden, but we, man, those seeds, you know, he would go to the store out in Montpelier, you know, and he'd buy. And he'd come back like this treasure, you know. I got some silver queen corn, and I got this. And I got, and he's, because the seed's precious. This is precious. That's what the seed is. 
treat it like it's precious. It, it feeds the spirit man so that this old man will die and stay dead. You don't want to miss an eternal opportunity because you didn't guard this and implant it. The implanted word is able to save my soul. The implanted word is able to keep my soul saved. The implanted word. That's what we need. I, look, self-help books are fine, and I'm not against Christian authors at all. I, there's some that I really enjoy. But this book, this word, is God's literal breath. It brings life. Theoneustos, God's breath. In the garden, and then again when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, that's what I need. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. See, salvation leads to service. We're not saved by works, but when we get saved, it's a natural outpouring that we just want to do God's work, his work, his will. When we get saved, it just naturally should lead into serving him. Working the works of God keeps us from wandering. Think about it. When we work the works of the Lord, it helps keep us from wandering back into our old life. It helps us remain in a state of wonder about the things of God. See, when, when we work the works of the Lord, it keeps us from wandering back into our old life, and it keeps us in a state of wonder about him. Because when I read in here the things that he's done, it just opens my heart up. And when I hear about missionaries and what, what I've experienced, what uh, Hunter's talking about, if you have any opportunity to be a part of any kind of missions, do it. It will absolutely change your life. And the culture, no, it's not about that you're going over there to help them so much, but it's, you're, you, they know you're supporting them with your finances, with your prayer. You know, and that's really what happened to me in India was you came all the way here to, to speak to us and to pray with us. That meant the world. They didn't need me to build a house. There's plenty of people that could build. What they needed was the encouragement, the prayers, the thoughts, the reality that someone came that loves us. And so I urge you to be a part of that. Be a... Uh, Doers of the word, not hearers only. And this is the verse in James about reflection. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. In some translations says his reflection in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty right? And then what does it say? And continues. It ain't enough to look into it once, y'all. It ain't once saved, always saved, y'all. Continues in. If, biggest little word in the Bible, if you continue therein. If we continue, you see, it says he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. 
As a believer, you want to be blessed in what you're doing? Feed the new man. Feed the Christian guy and starve this guy to death. Starve this guy to death. You will automatically starve him if you feed this guy. You don't even have to deal with him. Just feed this guy. This guy will die. Because what will happen is as you feed the spirit man more, those old desires won't rise up in you anymore. You won't want to look at ugly things. You won't want to say ugly things. You won't want to go ugly places. All those things, pick it. I'm not a clothesline preacher guy. I'm not here to pick out your little pet sins. And, and look, man, so for some of us and for all of us at one time, there was that one sin, like they all fell away, but you got that one, and you're like that little creepy guy on Lord of the Rings, Gollum, right? You ever see that? And he's got that ring, the precious. We must have the precious. And you got that little sin that you can't give up, and you got it in a little box you made for it, and you take that thing out. It's the precious. Well, won't you lay that down, because you're not going to move on with me until you get rid of that one. No, it's the precious. Think about it. That guy looks really creepy, but I tell you what, it's a really good example of what the sin nature looks like. He's a scrawny little runt that seems so big when he talks. Like you put that guy behind a wall and you think, oh, he's so scary. And he comes out and he says, you're kind of disgusting and creepy and weakling. I could stomp you. That's what your fallen man is, especially if you're feeding the spirit man. Working the work of God keeps us from wandering and keeps us wonder. We're in wonder of him. Just, just keep that in your mind. All right, let's turn to Peter. I don't know what time it is. Oh, okay. okay. First Peter. I haven't talked this much since I got over COVID, so I'm a little worried here. It was a blessing for my wife. Because <laughs> I'm the talker in the family. So like Pastor Bernie and Jeannie, she's a talker and he doesn't talk a lot. I'm like the blabosaurus and she, she's not. You know? And it's kind of like, yeah, I really don't know what to say, you know, and if whatever I have to say, nobody really wants to hear anyway, kind of a thing. I'm just sat here in the corner, and that's really more comfortable. Not stuck up at all, sweetest person I've ever known. But I'm just kind of like, bah! So COVID was a, a respite for her, for me yakking all the time. Because when we do Bible study, sometimes... I have to resist of going into some exegesis on the scripture like, and I'm going into like four hours worth of teaching with her. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I remember Gail Craft talking about Walt. Walt, one of the smartest dudes I ever know, love him, he just passed on, but Gail would talk about it. And uh, Walt, he said, yeah, we'd be having devotions. And he said, I'd go into all this stuff. And Gail's like, can't we just read? <laughs> we just read, you know. He's gone into the history of the, Napoleonic wars and everything with the Romans, you know. Can we just read the Bible? So that's kind of our thing. But here in Peter, what's interesting to me, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Man, that's a, that's a great opening thing there. 
Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Your mind. Now that word gird up is like from an oriental perspective and then they would wear long robes and in the Middle East. And if you're gonna do work, a robe is really not conducive to working outside or doing labor. So they would take that robe and they would pull it up and of course they had drawers underneath it so nobody's mooning you, right? And they would tuck that robe and they would tighten it up with their belt so it wouldn't get in the way to prepare for action. Gird up the loins of your mind to prepare for action. As a believer, we gird up the loins of our mind, the, the, the innermost thoughts with the Bible, and it prepares us for action. If we don't do this, you're not prepared for action. You're not prepared for action. It says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As what? As obedient children. What do you want me to do today, today Abba? I thought it was really cool. You know, we just finished the, the second uh, series of The Chosen, and it was awesome. <laughs> We're like, no, it can't end. We need another one. Jesus goes out on the Sermon of the Mount. You know, and that's where it ends, like, no! But uh, just the, it's so stinking accurate, like, because I'm that dude. When he's in the temple, in the synagogue, and he's got the scrolls, I'm the dude that noticed he read from right to left, <laughs> and he used a yod, which is a little ornate pointer shaped like a hand. So I'm that weird guy that, man, they got that little detail right, you know but how the terminology for their father and mother, Abba and Ima. You know, that's cool. You know, mom and dad sounds okay, but Ima and Abba sound a lot cooler, you know? It sounds more passionate to me. So I almost wish when we were young parents, we would have told them, call me Abba, call her Ima. But kids would have made fun of them at school. So. But he says here, I lost my, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, that's that guy, as in your ignorance, you didn't know. Now you know. Now you know. And now I know. It's on me. I know now. I got to feed this guy. Right? And whatever the Lord wants me to do, Abba, what, what do you want from me today? Daddy, what do you want? But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Not perfect. We're not perfect. But listen, because it is written, verse 16, it says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And that is in, um, it's in Leviticus. I thought I wrote it down the address for it. I did. Leviticus 11.44. Now, what's interesting is that's given right after Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, were killed because they were irreverent and drunk and offered up strange fire before the Lord, and they were killed because of it. <laughs> so this is, be holy for I am holy. It comes after that uh, right there at the food ordinances where it talks about don't eat this, don't eat this, and all these creeping little things. And man, it just went off in my head, what are the little creepy little things in our life, the little sins, those old things? Put them to death, 
Just let it go. Feed this guy. Be holy. Holy, sanctified, set apart. If we could think about that our actions are to be set apart every day. Set apart every day. It takes on a different mindset. It takes on a different value. If I just see I'm going to work, like I got to go to work in the morning and uh, reality, I got to weld up a bracket for a guy. So I'm going into the shop, which I typically don't do and weld up this bracket for a guy and leave it in his parts pan. So that's my task first thing in the morning. Well, that's kind of humdrum for me. If you've never seen anybody weld something, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, I want to know. I want to see. Trust me. First thing in the morning, a bright light brighter than the sun is not what I want to see. But so it's boring to me, our mundane life. But if we could think about our lives as my conduct today should be holy because my task today is holy. See, then it takes on a different meaning. You know, the, the, the Arianic priesthood, the Levites, the priests of God, they did all these things. They dreamt, they, they washed, and they, they uh, before the high priest would go in, they'd keep him up all night so even his dreams wouldn't be defiled before he went in. And they did all these things. And it, it, they always had this reality. This is something, this is a task that's important. Look at what we had to go through before the task was ever completed. So if we could think about the task that we're about to do as being so important, it's so eternal, it's so lasting, it really helps us in our conduct today. If tomorrow I've got this important, life-changing, eternal task, maybe I would act a little differently today. I'm just saying. It's a mindset that will help you. It will help you. So he says, as he who has called you is holy, because it's written that way. And it's, it's interesting because um, our works are going to be judged. It says, and if you call, verse 17, on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Yeah, but God, he was a worse sinner than me. That's between me and him. That's between me and you. You can't, I got to look at me. That's that reflection. I'm not looking at three other people in the mirror with me. I'm looking at me today, today. And I think the mirror thing, James hit on something there because of our vanity, right? Now, my vanity is not what it was when I was chasing my beautiful wife, right? I mean, that hair had to be perfect because I actually had some. It was long and blonde. That stuff had to be right, dude. And I had to have a gallon of cologne. I had to have nice clothes on. And my old man would wait until I was going out the door and tell me to make sure I filled up the wood box. I'm like, oh. He said, well, you know, if you filled it up all the way, you wouldn't have to do it before you went out on a date. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I'm trying not to get dirty and everything before I go see this beautiful girl, you know. I was worried about how I looked then. It's not that I don't worry about how I look to my wife. I do. It's just I can't do a lot about it anymore. <laughs> so there's no point in wasting time with that. Buy some pretty flowers and hold them up in front of the face. That's disarming. Don't I look better now? You know. 
But I think James was on to something because it's something that people, even polished brass, they would look at themselves and they would use it for that reason. Now we have these mirrors with lights in them and it shows the real you. <laughs> Don't know that I want that feature. But you can see yourself, like everywhere you go. I worked with a guy, and I won't say where, and I won't say his name, because if you ever hear us, he'll be all like, what? And he used to do front-end alignments. And uh, you know how people walk by and they catch their look in the mirror, you know? And um, he would be working, and I've watched him. Uh, hair was perfect. Like, I would go to work, I would leave there, and it looked like a pack of wolverines had rolled me around in the dirt. I'm cut, I'm bruised, I'm bleeding, I am dirty from head to toe. You know? And he'd leave there every day, look clean, hair perfect, you know? I'm like, how is that possible? Looked like a cow done licked the side of my head, you know? And I noticed several times, he's taking the heads off of the front end machine, and he's flexing, he's got his, oh yeah, it's like, I'm, my boy is checking out his biceps, you know. And I thought, oh, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. So we all have that little bit, me, not so much anymore. But with something we see every day, our face, some way, shape, or form, whether it's in water, or whether it's in a phone, or whether it's in a mirror doing your makeup, Use that as a time and say, God, am I reflecting you? Am I reflecting eternity? Is that reflecting in my mind that the task I have today is eternal and it's not such a mundane task anymore and I'm going to approach it with importance and I'm going to live my life that way, always prepared. You're always going to drop back to your highest level of training. How high have you trained in God's word? When it all comes down and it's bad, when it's really bad. Where are you going to revert to? For me, it was the promises God had spoken to me about my family, my wife, my kids, and that's what I quoted. When I was so sick with COVID, I would just lay there and say, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is kind. I urge you to train the new man and let the old man starve. He's going to judge each one's work according, his work, <clears throat> one's work. Conduct yourselves, because that's going to happen. He says, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Be aware of the fact I'm going to stand before the living God. It says that nothing is hidden from the eyes of the one that I have to give an account to. Why is it a fearful thing, it says, to fall into the hands of the living God? Because you can look at me and there's no bubble over my head that's showing you my thoughts. You can't see inside my head or my mind. You don't see how holy my life is by looking at me. But when I stand before God and he's in, I'm in his hands, I am completely transparent, naked, and uncovered. And nothing is hidden from him. Nothing. And maybe the sin that you think is a big deal, and you say, that guy, mm, I'm thankful I'm not like him. Maybe you're the guy that, no, you don't participate in that, but you gossip. And you backbite. You talk him down before your supervisor. Whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. 
stay in your lane and keep your mouth shut. If it doesn't concern the safety of you or someone else, stay in your lane and keep your mouth shut. All you're doing is stirring up wrath and strife, and God hates those things. And you think that God is so bad, you know about, maybe he's an adulterer, I don't know. And you, well, I don't do that, no. But you've been murdering that guy for five years on the job. (laughs) I'm just saying, man, I'm just telling you what God kicks me in the teeth about. And I have, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've done well with that through the years. I've tried not to do those things. And uh, God's blessed me in that. I've been, you know, things have come at me and people are like, no, no, Joe wasn't in on that. Because I won't. <laughs> so just be careful when we start judging people's sins. That mirror, what is, what's in me? <laughs> you know, what's that thing in there that maybe I didn't think was so bad? The sinner and the, the publican and the sinner, you know, they're standing there and the Pharisees like, I thank you, God, I'm not like this man. This publican and sinner, I pray every day and I got fancy clothes and I throw my money in the pit, in the, the thing. And it was a, uh, it's like a flute thing. And it ding, 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 ding. And it made a lot of noise the more change you threw in. Right? Yeah, that guy had struggles, but he went home to his wife every night, maybe. But Pharisee, maybe you went and you visited the brothel and nobody saw it. Nobody knew it. And the ones that did saw you, you had enough money to pay them off. I'm just saying, looks can be deceiving. Perception. Gird up your loins of your mind. Be holy. First Peter uh, chapter 1, jump all the way over to um, verse 22. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren. If we sincerely love one another, we're not going to want to backbite and talk about others. And that word sincere there is literally anapocritos. It means anti-hypocrisy. It means don't be a play actor. A hypocrite was a term used for someone who would hold a mask up in front of their face and do a play. You don't want to be that guy that's got a mask in front of his face. We want the real you. And he's saying, be sincere in your love. But how do we get that? At the first of that verse, it says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. How do we purify our souls? By obeying the truth. I purified my soul on the day I asked Jesus in my heart and I got saved. And every day after that, I purify my soul by obeying the truth. I read this truth and obey it. That's how we do that. That's how we do that. Turn to Genesis 4. You must take care and be mindful of our sin nature. It's always waiting to trip you up. How do we combat it? Proactive. Don't be defensive when it comes to sin nature. Be proactive. Go on the offensive, not the defensive. How am I going to go on the offensive about my sin nature? I'm going to read and train my mind up. I'm going to train every day in the word of God. You know why a lot of countries back down when the U.S. steps in? Because we're carrying a big stick. It's a big military. And you park a couple of uh, 
aircraft carriers off the coast in the Mediterranean, suddenly the world's knees shake. They may talk a bunch of smack, but they know. They know. If I'm trained up, my mind, my spirit man, the devil is less likely to come at me. He just is. It's about easy targets. If you're not training up your spirit man, you are making yourself an easy target to the enemy. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, um, it says, this is Cain and Abel, right? So we've got, we're right back at the beginning of things. Mom and dad messed up. Sin nature, they fell. And now their boys are out here, and Cain gives his sacrifice, and God doesn't accept it. Uh, Abel gives his sacrifice, and God accepts it. You can have your own theology about that. Cain should have taken the best of his fruits, the best of what he grew, and went to his brother and said, sell me a lamb for these, the best that I have. Because only a blood sacrifice covers sin, right? So Cain tried to offer off the fruits of the earth for his blood sacrifice for his sin, and it wouldn't work. And so he wasn't accepted, and he got, he got all booger lift about it, and he was upset, and he was angry, right? He hadn't killed his brother yet. The sin wasn't that, it wasn't, it hadn't gotten to that level yet. Understand. And this is God talking to Cain right here. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies. The New King James says lies. I think the original King James says crouches. Others say crouch. It crouches at the door. And its desire is for you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? The enemy's desire is to have you. When he sees you, he sees the one who threw him out of heaven. Cast him to earth like a lightning bolt, he says, Jesus says. He hates you. He wants to see you fall, fail, and your family die. That is his goal. This says that sin lies at the, your door. It's crouching there. But you should rule over it. He's telling, even then, without Jesus having come and paying the price, Cain had the ability to rule over that sin, but he didn't do it. He gave into it. Why would God tell him to do something he couldn't do? He said, but you rule over it. It lies, it crouches at the door. And did you know that word is a Hebrew word and it literally means crouch like a, an, a predator ready to pounce on its prey and kill it. And an, ancient Semitic, ancient Jewish writings describe demons that guarded the entrances, gates and doors. They used that word, they would wait there. That uh, they in the doorways. So when we read this text, what we're really saying is it characterizes sin as being demonic, a demonic presence waiting to pounce on you. And when you that thing now it's waiting at the door, and all you got to do is crack it. A cracked door is way easy to get into. Man, and when you, when you feed this guy and you don't feed him, that door don't get cracked. Stop feeding the spirit man. You just cracked the door. 
And this just told me that sin, it's a demonic presence there with you. And it's waiting to get in your door and rip and tear and kill, steal and destroy. Be careful. I'm not giving power to the enemy. I'm giving power to you. I'm telling you this morning, you, he told Cain, you should rule over that thing. You, we've got even more power and authority and anointing than Cain had because I had the Holy Spirit in me. And with the word, it said, I resist the devil and he flees. I don't have to dance around on one foot, stand on my head and chant something from the Jewish Mishnah to have authority over sin in my life. With the word, I just resist him and he flees. Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. How did Jesus combat temptation? The word. But he fed on it. He was trained up. And I would tell you, train up the, the new man. Fighting sin nature, it's not easy, but it absolutely can be done. And all you have to do is train up the new man. Lest you think I'm just beating you up here, if you want to turn back to Galatians, there is hope. I just want you, it's with urgency. I'm tired of seeing the enemy beat up God's people and my brethren. I hate the fact that, see, I'm not the evangelist guy. I can evangelize. I've led, I don't know how many people to the Lord. I didn't write it down. Led one old boy to the Lord right at work. And God showed me one time, we were in an old sanctuary and I, we were singing and everything, and I saw this boy's face in front of me as clear as I'm looking at you. And God said, tell so-and-so tomorrow is, to, that today is, to, tomorrow when you see him, Monday morning, you tell him, God said, tell him about you, that you saw him Sunday. Just say, I saw you Sunday. And uh, leave it at that. I'm like, okay. And then when he follows you around the rest of the day, because you mess with his head, tell him that today is the day. The time is now. He's waited long enough. He's vacillated between two opinions, and that needs to end today. I start. So that next morning, I went in, walking, hey, man, how y'all doing? I said, hey, man, I seen you Sunday. Seen you at church, and I kept walking. Oh, man, he was right over there in my stall. I'm trying to unlock my toolbox. I'm like, what, man? What'd you see me? So I said, oh, well, I got to get to I'll talk to you later about it. I let him stew until lunchtime, and I couldn't stand it no more. <laughs> Young guy, he was like 22 years old. I said, man. I said, dude, I saw your face Sunday during worship. Just as clear as I'm looking at you now, brother. And I said, God said, today's the day of salvation. You've been vacillating between two opinions, and that needs to stop today. Man, I said, we can go out back and talk about it if you want. Yeah. And we did. And I told him the plan of salvation. I said, man, you can pray in your car. You can pray going home. You can pray right here. I said, I can pray with you, but whatever you want. I said, but it has to be real. You have to follow through with it. Don't just say this today and not mean it tomorrow. And I turned and walked off. He chased me down. 
chased me down. I'm not saving him. God's conviction, the Holy Spirit's anointing, that's what saves, that's what sets free. That's what set his teeth on edge that morning. But would you pray with me? Would you? I said, sure. And there we were, right out behind the old shop, bunch of twisted metal everywhere. So has God used me like that? He has, he has. I don't know how many people, I don't know how many times. It's like, I didn't keep track. It's like the baptism thing in part. But it's more about, for me, it's the, the children of God. And, and, and I've always been, a, I want to teach the body of Christ, those deep things of God. And so when I see the body of Christ being ripped apart because the enemy in their, in their lives, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I want you to get a hold of the fact that this is a, this is a plan right here. This is a valid, bulletproof bomb-proof way of fighting the old man so that we don't open the door. At least let's do our part. If he's attacking me, it's because he's attacking me for some other reason than than I let down my guard, than some other reason than I opened the door and fell back into my old ways. And so I just say that to you this morning so that you would just get that reality in your mind. So in Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read, uh, let's see, start reading 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look like uh, the apostle Paul and God backed me up on what I just said all morning. I probably could have just went there, and we could have went and got something to eat already. Maybe that's a lesson to me on long sermons, I don't know. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means every time I fulfill the lust of my old man, I haven't been walking in the spirit. That's what that means to me. For the, lu- for the flesh, lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a battle goes on in, inside you. That's what I was talking about earlier. You don't want that guy to be strong if we're going to fight a battle. You want him to be weak. And if I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I need to feed my spirit, man. I keep saying that because you've got to remember what I'm telling you. Because when that sin and that temptation comes at you, it was funny. I I might embarrass my son, but I'm not going to try not to. But we were having father-son stuff, and it gradually gets more intense and as they get older, and, and uh, I was talking to him about girls. And I said, you know, I said, you know Charlie Brown, right? Yeah. I said, the teachers, when they go, because that's what it sounds like to you when you're in school. Teachers' voices always sound like, like, we're not hearing them. I said, you know, mom and dad taught you a lot about things, but I tell you what, man, when that girl and you, oh, she's your girl. And she's so pretty and she smells good. All that warning mom and dad gave you is going to be in your head. How do I know this? Because I was that guy. And that was my girl back there. And all that stuff. And oh boy. 
And I'm telling you this a lot so that when it comes at you and the temptation comes, my voice don't sound like Maybe you see my old gray-headed face and tired eyes. You say, I remember that crazy old guy that looked like a John the Baptist lookalike up there Sunday. And I remember him saying, sin crouches at the door. Don't crack it open, man. Don't crack it open. Feed the spirit, man. And maybe you'll hear and heed my warning and remember what I'm telling you. Sin, it battles in us. We can win that battle. God told Cain he could win it then. The price hadn't even been paid. You rule over it. He didn't give him a choice. He didn't give him an out. He said, you rule over it. He didn't, and he killed his brother. First murder in history, and he had an out. God gave him an out. Look at verse 24. We're going to drop down. Uh, it was chapter 5. We're going to drop, go over to verse 24. And those who are Christ, having crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, meaning we've put it to death, is dead. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. There it is again. We live in the spirit, we're going to walk in the spirit. Did you know that that word walk there is not the same as the other walk? This word walk in 25, literally, it's a Greek word, it literally means to walk on a line, a drawn out path. If we walk the drawn out path that the spirit has for us, that's what that's saying. It literally, it's a different word than the other word walk there. If we walk the drawn out path is what it's saying. Let us, be, let us also walk in the spirit. See, if we live in the spirit, we're gonna have to walk his line. There can be no shadow of turning. And that's what you really gotta get a hold of this morning. How do I know his plan? They're cheap, they're cheap. If you can't afford one, I will buy you one. Get you a Bible that you can read. If you're concerned about the translation, ask your pastor. That's what we're here for. Ask us. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> that new, new world, yeah, that's your Jehovah Witness Bible. So if you're, you're, you don't really know for sure the, the, what version of the Bible, then come ask us. Uh, there's a lot of great ones out there. NIV, New King James, King James, Living Bible. Get a kid's Bible. Yeah. They got pictures in them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm being serious, man. Yes. Like the Action Bible is awesome. And read it. You ain't got to read it where anybody can see you guys. Some of us men are like, <laughs> I, I understand your kids are smarter than you. I've dealt with it all the time. What's this phone doing this for? Hold on, Dad. My kids are smarter than me. Yours are smarter than you. It's okay. Just admit it to yourself. You ain't got to tell them. Get your action Bible and go close the door. Maybe you read the action Bible during toilet time. I don't know. Just some whatever works for you. But read it. Read something. 
All right, well, that's all I have for you. I just, my prayer for you is that above all things, you set aside time. When you're looking at that phone, and look, I'm not saying you're looking at something ugly. Maybe you're looking up the best golf clubs to use. I don't know. But it's time out you could have been spending God's word. Now, if you spent some time in God's word that morning and this is your downtime, hallelujah. More power to you. But maybe you're working overtime you really don't need, and you're, on that, you're looking in that phone at emails, and you see your reflection, be reminded, have I spent enough time feeding the spirit man today? I'm going to make, by the time Uncle Sam takes his cut, that overtime is going to give me about 25 bucks. Is that worth eternity? Is that worth my living soul? Is that worth me messing up an appointment the next day with someone that I need to speak and witness to? Am I willing to let that die for $25 worth of overtime that I could have spent in God's word that would have safeguarded me against falling back into my old sin nature? It's a fight. It's a battle, but it's a battle that you can win. Jesus already won it for you. We just walk in his grace. We walk in his anointing, his power right here. So stand up with me, and I'm going to pray that over you, and pastor's going to come and If you don't know Jesus, it's simple. Admit, believe, and confess. Admit you're a sinner. I need you, God. I can't keep the Ten Commandments. I need your help. I'm lost. Forgive me of my sin and come in my heart. It's that simple. But mean it. Don't say it because you feel bad today and you go back tomorrow and you're old junk again, man. I'm telling you, be serious about it. I'm not saying you're not going to have struggles, but be serious about it. We'll get you a Bible if you don't have one. If you have questions about what translation, come to us. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the written, implanted word of God that saves us, Lord. It saves our soul, God. I'm so thankful, Lord, that no matter what sin is raging around us or the old man that tries to roar up, we can, like you told Cain, you, you rule over that thing. You rule over that thing. It will not rule over you. Sin will not have dominion over us, God. We are your children, Lord. We are eternally minded, God. And like you said, we're going to walk in the spirit. We're going to walk that path. It's narrow. But, Lord, you're going to help us walk it. You're there to guide us and steady us. You said you strengthen our feeble knees, God. Right now, I pray you strengthen the feeble knees. If there's someone in here who's struggling with the old sin in their life, Lord, strengthen their feeble knees, Lord. Their knees are feeble and their heads hung down because they're ashamed, Lord. They've fallen back into their old sins. I break that shame off of you. Leave it here today. God will forgive you and you can start back on the path. Just don't make the same mistake of not feeding the, 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 the spirit man. Don't make that mistake again. You can triumph over that thing. God has given me victory in my life. I know he'll give you victory in your life over sin. So, Father, I pray that over your people. I pray an anointing of victory over them over sin, victory over them in their old life. Those things are dead. They're buried. If they have guilt about past things that they've done, 
Lord, I break off that shame off of them, Lord. It's dead and buried, never to be remembered again. Set them free from the condemnation of the enemy about their past. That's over. It's done. And I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus that he would not speak those lies to them anymore. Give them peace in their homes and joy and laughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, Brother Joel. Uh, next Sunday, while he's preaching, Brother, I'm telling you, it's going off in me like fireworks on the 4th of July. Because I've had such a sweet time in my study this week and fellowshipping with the Lord. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk about three men that personifies everything he just preached on this morning. But you don't want to miss it. Because this is what we're tempted to do. We study for years. I've been studying the Word for 47 years. And we get to the point where it's like, I don't need to eat that anymore. I'm already, I'm full. You know, there, there was a time in my life, I was working out in a gym three days a week and I was jacked. You could never tell that looking at me right now. After the COVID thing, I was trying to do some push-ups. I could barely get 10 push-ups done. I was doing deep knee bends. I couldn't even hardly get back up from one. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's true about the Word of God. We think, well, I've, I've eaten enough. I'm full. I'm jacked. No, you're not. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And, and just to kind of bring this home, and I'm going to close with this. I was looking last night on getting a grinder that you can grind your own flour. Right, it's just something I want to do. I'm not a prepper, end-time prepper. And I just think it's a good idea, okay? And I'm looking at all the stuff you can grind with this grinder. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was food. Some of the stuff they're talking about grinders, I didn't even know you could eat that. And when I get into the Word of God, I've been, di I've been dining on it for 47 years, and I still find things that I didn't even know I could eat. There's, still, there's treasures there that you've not even tasted. If you just get in the presence of God, it is so good and it's so nutritious, and you need it so bad. But you get to the point you think, well, I don't need that. I got, I've got that. You know, I, I can quote that. I can recite that. I... You need it every day, but I'm gonna tell you what, amen. And it's good. We we got we got one board member. Every time we have a board meeting, one of our board members will provide a meal. So we we eat while we're having our board meeting. And this lady, she fixes this dish. I said, don't you fix anything else but that. And I'm gonna tell you right now, the next time she fixes that for our board meeting, it is as good as the first time I ever ate that. And the Word of God is like that. It's always brand new. It's fresh. It's new every morning. It's new every day. Get in there and study. Amen. Study. Show yourself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. You'll never regret it. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time in your presence, God. And God, it's so good to come into your presence, Lord. Lord, as I was getting ready for church this morning, I was reminded of the fact that there's people all around the globe listening to our service today. And, and, and Lord, I wanted to just tell them, the whole world is full of your glory. The earth is full of your glory. No matter where you are, You've got a hotline to God, and He's omnipresent, and He's there with you. And God, your presence is here with us today. 
We talked about, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men must say because I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And every time I need him, he's always near because you are near, God. You're here. And, and the thing that is, it is, it boggles my mind, God, is the fullness of you. You're right here with me. But at the same time, the fullness of your presence is right there in, in Zimbabwe, God, or in China, or in Australia, or everywhere, God. The earth is full of your glory. And God, it is always so good to come into your presence, Lord. And we thank you, God, for your presence today. We thank you for the, the word, God. We thank you for the anointing of Pastor Joel, Lord, as he ministered your word today, God. Now, Lord, help us to be doers of your word, not forgetful hearers today, God. When we walk out from this place, Lord God, help us to not think, well, I'm full. I don't need anything else. No, Lord, we, we are hungry. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they'll be filled, God. Give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your word. Now, Lord, I bless the body of Christ today. Every family that is represented here today, Lord, I bless their home. God, may it be a refuge, an escape from the world, God, the influence of the world, the things of the world. Lord, may it be a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome. Lord, strengthen the family, husbands and their wives. Lord, the enemy is working so hard to drive a wedge between family members, Lord, to try to destroy them. But God, strengthen the family, husbands and their wives, and make them fall in love with each other all over again, God. Just like Joel was talking about when he's going to see his beautiful girlfriend. God, may that always be his beautiful girlfriend. May she... He always be the one. She's standing at the door waiting, looking out the door, waiting for him to pull up in the driveway, anxious to, be, to see him come again. God, just do that in, in, our, in our families, God, our husband and wives, Lord, and father, parents, and their children. Lord, strengthen that relationship between them, Lord, so that the children, will, they will honor their father and mother, which is the first command with promise that their days will be long on the earth. And Lord, siblings, one with each other, Lord. Now, Lord, those that's walking the journey alone, God. There, there's a special someone you have for them, Lord. May their paths cross. May they find each other, Lord, and just fall in love with each other, Lord, that they can share their life together. God, if there's someone that's just content to live their life like Paul, Lord, and live without a mate in their life, Lord, you be their mate. You be their comfort, their joy, their fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hunter, take us to the thrones. We worship the Lord before we leave. Yeah. 
Come every battle